It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. This is the third week of a series we launched called Jesus is King. Uh, one of the um, breakout worship songs in the last two years is a song called Here Again. And we've actually still got it on rotation here. We have 30 songs that we kind of uh, keep uh, in our rotation. And when a new song comes in, we boot one of the old songs out. This one's written in 2018. It's still there. And um, it just uh, incredible uh, lyric that's, that, that is an incredible reminder of, of who God is. In fact, Louis just spoke to it a little bit here. Now, uh, because I love you so much, I am not going to sing that uh, for you, but I wanna, but I'll do a, I, will, I will do a spoken word uh, version of just the first verse. And a spoken word version like a sort of pretty low-key Aussie guy would do, which just sounds like I'm reading it because that's what I actually am gonna do. The first verse of this song here again, it says this, can't go back to the beginning, can't control what tomorrow will bring, but I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. Now, I didn't write this song, but my best understanding of the, the, the lyric, of the gist of this, or, which is, you know, it's a word picture, is just this idea that Stuff happens that we didn't hope for. Stuff happens in our lives that disappoints us. Circumstances come around that we didn't wish for. And, and in, that, in those moments, we, we kind, of, kind of feel like we're in the middle. You know, it's like yesterday was maybe better than this. And boy, I really hope tomorrow is gonna be better than this. But right now I feel like I'm in the middle and I'm not loving it. And this song is a reminder that God meets us in the middle. God never leaves us in the middle. Whether you've lost your job and you're in the middle, whether you've found some financial pressure, you feel like you're in the middle. Relational breakdown, you feel like you're in the middle. Maybe some health issues have come around. You feel like you're in the middle. Just, you know, that, that Saturday picture that Louis just talked about. The thing about the middle is I don't think anyone likes it because in the middle is frustrating. Because in the middle, we, our patience is put to the test. Because in the middle, we're reminded of just how little control we actually have. We, we can't go back to the beginning and we can't control what tomorrow will bring. And one of the things that this can do of being in the middle is it can affect our attitude. And that's what I wanna talk about today. In fact, this message is called King of My Attitude. And when I say my attitude, I actually mean your attitude. Because obviously my attitude is... Spot on. Um, but yours, on the other hand, you better pay attention. You need some help. <laughs> but actually, uh, let me take you to Bible college. I do this every now and then because I did go to Bible college and I occasionally paid attention. And one of the things that we learned at Bible college is that this idea of being in the middle is not just a circumstantial thing, a seasonal thing. It's actually, we're actually all living in the middle. And actually in the middle, and, I, and let, me, let me diagram this for you. This, I, I mean, I think this is how they taught it at Bible College for me, that we live in the middle. We got this one, Mr. DJ Wanson. And the next slide looks like this, yes. That there's, and already, there's stuff that God has already done 
There's stuff that God has already made possible. There's prayers that God's already answered. There's deliverance that God's already brought for us. There's victories that God's already caused us to enjoy and experience. And then there's the not yet. There's the stuff that God's promised that hasn't happened yet. There's the prayers that you've prayed that, that, that pretty confident that God's gonna give you a big thumbs up, but, but it's not yet. And so life is you are here, always in the middle because there's always already's and there's always not yet. The thing about the already's and the thing about the not yet's is we have just about zero control over them, which is frustrating. However, there is some things we can control in the middle. And one of them is our attitude. So let's take a deep dive into that this morning. If you've got the Bible app, it's called the Bible app. Uh, pop it open to Colossians chapter three. Now we've been actually drilling into this letter. This is a letter uh, that was written by a guy named Paul. Paul was kind of like one of the, the early church entrepreneurs. He would uh, establish churches in major cities uh, around the known world at the time. This was, and this was in a, and then he would, keep in contact with them by writing letters. And we still have access to a lot of those letters today. They form the, the new part of the Bible uh, that we can access. And uh, this was a place called Colossae. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And it's just called Colossians. It wouldn't be called that. It's just called a letter. And uh, week one of this series, we actually drilled into the first chapter of this letter. Uh, Steve Hall talked about King of My Life that when we're in the boat of life, we're in the boat of life, storms will come, not if, but when. When the storms come, there's a better question than why are the storms coming? And that's who is in the boat with me, that Jesus promises to never leave us, to always be with us. And so to look to Him, who actually has control over the wind and the waves, is a better question than why. And that was something that Paul reminded us in the first chapter of this. In the second uh, chapter, um, last week I spoke about king of my circumstances, that we don't have control over our circumstances, but there's actually a better approach than trying to control everything and fix everything. And that's to trust God, to listen to Him. He's got a, he's got a way, He's got a better way, often a way out. And if we do those things, that He'll actually keep us in our lives on track. So let me drill into the third chapter of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And he started Verse one from chapter three. So if you're, now he's writing this to people who have made Jesus their king, okay? So it's not like, just like Jesus is a king. This is a people, this is a church in a city called Colossae of people who've, who have made Jesus their king. And so he's writing to them as followers of Jesus. And it says, and he reminds them, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Now, just those last three words, if you just read them, they can actually leap off the page and be pretty jarring. Because these are words that your parents may have said to you when you were doing something a little bit inappropriate. Like, come on, Junior, you're better than that. Act like it. I didn't raise you to talk like that. Act you're the you get it. Louie, uh, with her students at her school that she teaches, when they do something that's not great, she will tell them, you are actually better than that. And that, some of them, that's breaking news. Paul, I don't think, was telling them off as best as I can understand. Instead, he was 
trying to, I think, trying to open their eyes to this reality of something that's happened already. That the already that God has done and made possible in their lives. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ that's already taken place, already, then in the now, in the middle, I, I wanna encourage you to act like it to respond, to live in such a way that, that, that shows that you actually understand what's happened. And one of the problems is that in too many settings, the idea of being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, has been, has been shrunk wrapped down to morality. That, that the only thing that some people equate being a follower of Jesus with is whether you're a good person and whether you're well behaved and whether you don't say colourful adult words. And, and to just shrink wrap, I mean, I think there should be a moral expression if we are followers of Jesus and it should be a good moral expression, sure. But here's the big idea. Jesus didn't come to this earth, die on a cross and rise out of the grave to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. And Paul's reminding us of that. Do you get it? He said, do you get it? Do you understand you were dead? You were dead in your relationship with God. You were dead in that sin had power over you and you couldn't break that power no matter how hard you tried. That separation, you couldn't bring it together. You didn't have a relationship with God. And then Jesus came into your life and he made it possible. Do you get it? You were dead. And now you're alive. If, if, if you understand that you were once dead and now because of Jesus, the King, becoming your King, you're now alive. And if you got it, then surely you'd act like it. You ever watch the documentaries of people that have had like a near-death experience and then they tell about their life now? And in almost every case, what's changed is their priorities have changed what's important, what they value, who they value, what they spend their time on, what they give their attention to, almost always changes as a result of having stared death in the face. If you know somebody or you are somebody who's maybe had a, what would have typically been a terminal illness diagnosis and yet you've lived through that, and which by the way, we've got several people in our auditorium this morning who have had cancer diagnoses and are now clear, and, and that's something that's in there already. Cancer, right? Frank, Andrew. Well, talk to them. Talk to them about what's, what's more important now, having stared death in the face or a potential diagnosis of cancer taking you out, and now being brought back to life, being healed of cancer. Things have changed. And, and Paul's saying, I, it's like if he was typing this on his uh, computer, this idea about new, these words, three words, new resurrection life, he would have put them bold, italics, underlined, highlighted, like anything. To, because if we get that, we weren't bad and now we're good. We were dead and now we've been brought back to life. And if we get that, it should translate into how we live. Because it's already, that's the already. Paul said, already you were dead, but now you've been brought back to life. Already. 
already. And then he pivots to the now. Because of the already, this is what I want you to do now. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Make them your priority. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. No, look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Uh, about two and a half years ago, Louie and I moved into our new old house um, and uh, it had this uh, pretty wonky garage down in the back corner of the house and I put some uh, man things in there, lawnmower, uh, stuff like that um, in there. And... Uh, but didn't have any lighting or you know, electricity in this, in this shed. And so I figured that maybe every now and then I might be forced to have to go before dawn or after sunset to go and get something from the garage. So I'm thinking, I'm, I need a torch. Yep. So I, I start researching torch. I like to make well-informed consumer choices. So I start researching torches. And uh, anyway... A couple of weeks into my extensive research of torches, I was lying in bed one night just thinking about torches. <laughs> and then I realised something, that I already own the torch. <laughs> See, some of you think this is a phone, but it's not a phone. It's a technological Swiss army knife. And one of the many features, yes, it makes phone calls, allegedly, says the introvert. Uh, uh, I remembered lying there at night that it has a torch. And by the way, these days, the torch is actually pretty good. I mean, you know, yeah, let's boost it up. Good enough to find my lawnmower at 8.30 at night. <laughs> and then I started to think a bit more deeply about the torch. My mind started contemplating all things torch. You know, the thing about torches is you can only see the things that you point the torch at. How am I doing so far? Yeah, good, huh? Now, now, it doesn't mean that those things weren't there before you point the torch at them, but it's that you didn't see them unless you focused the torch on them. And by the way, there are other things in the, in the, in the garage, metaphorically speaking, or in my case, literally, other things in there that, that are there, but you will only see them if you focus the torch on them. And again, it's not that when you focus the torch on them that they appeared. It's that it only when you focused the torch on them were you actually able to see them. But they were there all along. This idea of focus, this idea of what we are focusing on is what Paul's telling us here. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbed with the things right in front of you. By the way, you can. But if that's what you focus on, then that's all you're going to see. But that's not all that's going on. But it's all that you'll see because it's all that you're focused on. But instead of looking at the ground, just the things right in front of you, the everyday things, the things that the, the culture we live in tells us we should be focusing on. No, instead of that, 
Look up. Shift your focus. Be alert to what's already going on. Now, it's going on whether we look at it or not, but Paul's saying, but look at it. Focus on it, because that's where the real action is. Woohoo! All right. Love it. So, let me give you some big boy ideas, some pro tips about things we should focus on. And I'm only gonna give you two. All right, I know, you, I know you're capable of three, but I'm just gonna drop two. Keep you coming back for more next week. Number one, focus on God. I know it's ridiculous to me as well that I, I get actually paid to say stuff like this. I find the whole concept quite ridiculous because this is so obvious, right? Like if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you focus on God. But here's the thing, what, often we don't focus on God. In fact, we live in a world which is, which is these days more than ever all about the attention. Just go and watch the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, if you don't believe me, by the way. It hopefully will horrify you, but you're welcome. Focus on God. In other words, choose to focus on God, which sounds lovely. But let me break it down. Just a couple of like, well, how does, how does that happen? What is that? How do we do that? Let me, let me recommend starting with the already. While you're in the middle, Spend some time remembering the already. Spend some time remembering what God has already done, the prayers He's already answered, the things He's already shown you. And I'll give you a leg up if you're struggling with that. God has forgiven me. That's me, that's you, that's us, if you're a follower of Jesus. God is, this is you saying this. I, well, this is my encouragement to, to get this into you. God's given me a new life. God's filled me with His Spirit. God's promised to never leave me. That's pretty good, especially when you're in the middle. God's promised to lead me, and He's already led me, and I'm in the middle, so I need Him leading me more than ever. By the way, I could do with some strength, but actually, come to think of it, He's already strengthened me in the past. Same God that strengthened me in the past probably might, can, potentially do it now, and then He's already Put courage in me already. Focus on God already because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that's done the already is the same God working in the now and the same God that's gonna deliver you into the not yet. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. This is Paul now talking about, he started with the already, he pivoted to the now, and he's focusing our attention also on the not yet. He's your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, not yet, but when he does, you'll show up too, the real you. Which, by the way, is some of the reason Christians get called hypocrites. Now, it's not the only reason Christians get called hypocrites. Sometimes Christians get called hypocrites because we tell people how they should act and we fail to hold ourselves to the same standard too often, and that's not cool. Um, but actually sometimes is, is, uh, is, uh, we can be labeled hypocrites because we don't seem to have that much like perfection going on. And, and for some people it doesn't marry up in terms of like, but aren't you a Christian? Shouldn't that make, doesn't that mean you're perfect? <laughs> 
And I would encourage you to say, nope, not, not, not yet. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I'm gonna be. I'm not who I was, but I'm not who I'm gonna be. There's always this already, now, and not yet. But when Jesus does show up on this earth, then you'll show up to the real you. In other words, there's more. There's plenty more where that came from. Plenty more growth, plenty more transformation, plenty more promises. And ultimately, as Jesus is transforming us from glory to glory, we'll finally, when we meet Him face to face, either we go or He comes, whichever comes first. But meanwhile, be content with your obscurity like Christ. So focus on God and then this, and then this one, focus on good. And what does that mean? Well, let me break that one down. Let's start with good health. Buckle up, people. This ride's gonna get a little bit bumpy for some of you for the next two minutes. It's pretty clearly established. I mean, I'm no doctor, but, but if I was, what I would say is it's pretty clearly established that there is a direct link with our mental health and our physical health, that upstream our physical health has a downstream effect on our mental health, positive or negative, depending on what we're putting in upstream. So here's the thing. If you are not getting good, consistent sleep, hello, hello, somebody with new babies, Errol. If you're not getting Angelique, four weeks old, Angelique, Marco Hoods, I think is her name. We fixed that, right? We got, yeah, we did, that's right. Mercy, she's having a baby number two coming very shortly, also calling him Marco, it's beautiful. In our culture, people have started to wear how little sleep they can get by on as like a badge of honor. Like, like an arm wrestling competition. Oh, how much sleep do you need? And, and, and the winner is the one that can quote the lowest number. And I'm like, what? No. I mean, I, I understand everyone can get by on slightly different amounts, but three is probably not the ideal number. Or four or five. In fact, most studies suggest it's around seven to 10 hours of sleep. Okay? So, good nutrition. And I'm not gonna tell you what you should or shouldn't eat. I'm sure most of you have a pretty good idea. Um, but I do encourage people, and then finally, movement. And I do encourage people, don't eat like a teenager and move like a pensioner. All right, that's, that's about as deep a dive as I'm gonna give you in terms of, in terms of the specifics. But, but flip, the one, flip that around. Don't. Eat like a teenager and move like a pensioner. Second one, focus on good news. Never in the history of humanity have we had so much ready 24-7, 365 access to news. News, 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 and more news. 
And it's not all good, in case you missed it. A lot of it's bad. In fact, there's a pivot in journalism to try and get our attention by, put, by, by focusing on clickbaity stuff and adversarial stuff and dragging people into the mud stuff because that's typically what's getting more people's eyeballs onto your columns. And so if you're consuming news on your devices, consuming news on the TV, whatever it is, understand that it has the potential to affect your attitude. That if you're constantly exposing yourself to an endless smorgasbord, all-you-can-eat diet of news, which is increasingly geared towards promoting or highlighting the bad news, it has the potential for you and I to start thinking that the world's actually all bad, that things are all bad. Our hope level just drains and drains and drains. And so I would encourage you to, to set some parameters around news, around how much you consume, around the sorts of news you consume. Put some, some, some parameters around that. And also understand the source of the news. Don't just consume unfiltered because it, 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 then you're actually giving up the control to somebody else, to some journalist or some editor who's telling you what's really important in the world. And that's not always the best option. And here's the final one, good friends. Chances are some of you have some people in your life who charge your battery. When you spend time around them, they bring hope, they bring joy, they bring encouragement, they, 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 they speak words of life into you. And when you come away from spending time with them, your battery levels have actually gone up. And chances are, some of you have some people in your life that when you come away from spending time with them, your battery levels have gone down. The red symbol is flashing because they have just sucked the life and energy out of you like a vampire sucks blood. And it could be, I'm not suggesting you have to cut them off. Uh, it could be that God's placed you in their life for you to be the one that's influencing them. But just, but, but, but pay attention. Pay attention as to whether that's really how it's playing out. Because if they're influencing you more than you're influencing them, then maybe you might need to just practice a little bit of social distancing. Maybe, what, maybe the, the negative virus they're spreading is something that you need to stay more than 1.5 meters away from. Just... Just, again, I'm not saying cut them off. That's not my call. But maybe, maybe your attitude is being negatively affected by some people that just for you to put a little bit more social distancing might be a very natural and obvious uh, way for your attitude to improve. So, super practical. I know. It's what I do. Now, we've been talking through this series about Jesus is King, and we don't want to just talk about Jesus being a king or even zeroing in just on Jesus being the king. Um, but our encouragement every week for this series is also for, for us to be considering 
to ensuring Jesus is the king and our king and my king and your king. And, and that's not simply a decision that you make once. You say, now I'm a Christian, I made Jesus my king. It's, it's, like, you know, it's, it's every day, in every circumstance, in every season, in every decision, in the, the way we live out our lives about making Jesus my king. And uh, I'm excited this morning that somebody who's made that decision and continuing that journey has uh, made the decision to get baptized as their next step in their journey of having made Jesus their king. And here's a little bit of the backstory there. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 